Welcome to my space. I hope you find it comfortable in here. This is my track, based on the idea of manipulation and evil. Do you know about that kind of thing? <laughs> what am I saying? Of course you do. You know it as well as I do. We're only human, after all. And that's the idea we're looking at. Is it possible for a person to manipulate others into committing acts of evil? I certainly think so. What about you? I have a couple clips for you to enjoy. The first is cold and easy to swallow, like a good appetizer. The second is a bit more... personal. Listen carefully and ponder their meaning. Have you been with a group of friends and was pushed into a situation that you found uncomfortable? Or has a classmate or acquaintance pressure you for answer to that homework due tomorrow? While these may be relatively mild cases of peer pressure, they are, the most, they are some of the most common, and almost everyone is affected in some way. But what if peer pressure were used for much darker purposes, to spread an evil agenda? That is the topic we'll explore today. It was 11 o'clock on April 20th, 1999, and for most, it was a normal day at Columbine High School. Sounds familiar? It probably is. By the end of the day, 21 people were dead, and people were pining for answers in one of the most infamous school shootings in US history. One such possible answer is that the shooters, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, were pressured into the act by members of a gang they were part of. Another is that they were victims of one of the most destructive forms of peer pressure, pushed over the edge by harassment at school, and ostracized and outcast by their peers. Eventually, they snapped and brought down a harm on an entire community. Another case of peer pressure to the extreme is well documented in Lord of the Flies by William Golding, when Jack begins taking followers from Ralph. He grows increasingly savage and develops a cult following using the fear of the so-called beast on the island. Eventually he splits from Ralph altogether and takes most of the group with him using persuasion, threats, and even torture. This kind of herd movement can have a very strong effect on individuals, and it becomes Ralph's downfall. This is also the reason behind the deaths of both Simon and Piggy. Peer pressure can be personal too. As a child, my parents would have strong warnings about dangerous activities and the people who would try them. As time went by and my acquaintances expanded, I would undoubtedly come across these individuals, and some would try to persuade me into something new. While only a few times I would give in, I was shocked 
by at least part of my mind wanting to try it out. The chemical mix in your brain can be very powerful during these times, especially mixed with the desire to fit in. People will tell you that you alone are responsible for the decisions you make and the consequences they bring. These people may not understand the power of persuasion and manipulation, and the long-reaching effect they can have. The next time you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, ask yourself if you'd do this normally, on your own. Make your own decisions and take control of your life. Ask the important questions and turn yourself away from apparent distractions. was that for you? Hmm? I will say it was a little bland for my taste, but that's usually how the facts are, and I think people prefer it that way. Now this second piece may hit a little closer to home. It's what you'd expect of a child this one's upbringing, but remember this can happen to anyone. All it takes is a tragedy, or a little bump of temptation. Manipulation certainly is a powerful weapon. Sirens were blaring behind me as I dashed down the street in pouring rain. The saloon car had fallen behind in the traffic, but the uniforms on foot were close. Despite the rain, the sidewalks were crowded, and for once I was thankful for my small stature. The cops were bigger and often had to shove people aside. Not a good way to get around. The sirens were dimming, judging by the sounds of the agitated people. So were the cops. I sigh. This is the last time I try this. It's not worth it. Shit. The sirens are growing again. I pick up pace. They won't catch me. I'm running harder than ever in my life. I can hear my own heart beating away in my ears. Rain lashes against my face and slides down my back, my cotton hoodie soaked like a gasoline rag doll. I turn the corner into an alleyway. Double shit. It's a dead end. I can't go any further. The sirens are getting louder. I turn and face the gray, faceless sky and scream. <sighs> My alarm goes off, just a burst of static and crackles. I come to and roll over to scowl. The piece of junk hadn't played a tune in eight years, but any thoughts of replacement is dashed when I looked at the bad thing of plastic held together by rubber bands and chewing gum. Well, reliable. Even if I can't find a radio station, it could always rouse me from my sleep. I groan and climb out of bed. After I get dressed, I head downstairs to eat something. My mom left a note on the counter. I read it. Then I read it again. It was the same note she used every single day, whether I went to school or not. 
I shake my head. No wonder Dad left. My mom's voice banishes the thought. No matter how I approach her, no matter what I start talking with, she's always come back to that same line of thought. He left us because he didn't care. And every night I go to bed thinking the same thing. That's not true, you liar. And you know it. I was six years old and I was already used to my parents arguing day and night. The fighting would go on and as I grew up it diminished in volume but never in intensity. If anything, it grew. My father, who wanted out of our tiny suburb in the city and see new places, physically angry, but always an emotional comfort. My mother, who never wanted to go anywhere, even during vacations, usually on some kind of drug or another, but harmless. Definitely loud, though. My parents split when I was eight. The strain of two completely ways of living finally broke them. My dad, of TV dinners and back-before-dark curfews, was gone, lost in the winds of life. I was stuck with my bed at nine, all work, no play mother. I left the house at my regular time and took the path to school. When I get to the path in the woods, I take the left fork. The school is on the right. Mary Jane is waiting for me in a clearing. Her face the same mask of anticipation as it always is. Hey! Her voice is raspy from the weed she sucks in. You get out, okay? I nod. My mom really should be paying more attention to me. Straws a laugh. A loud, nauseating snicker. If she did, you wouldn't be out here. If she did, I wouldn't have to be out here. She notes the bitter tone in my voice and retreats. You got another job today. I nod. Same route and cargo? To my surprise, she shakes her head. Bosses decide you're ready for a promotion. You're taking a new cargo into a different area. I know it's short notice, but we're kind of desperate. Can you take it? My gut was telling me to back out. Too bad I didn't listen to it anymore. Two hours later, I was standing on a busy street in the city center, looking for a man with no distinguishing features and lamenting my current position. I looked up and saw clouds moving in. Hopefully I could get this over with and out before it got serious. It was starting to rain when I noticed the two uniforms striding towards me. One is carrying a torch and eyeing my backpack. I took a closer look and realized I'd had previous with these guys over other problems. I was supposed to be in school and they knew it. The sky darkened as I turned and began to walk away from the two. I surveyed my options. None of them good. Surrender is out of the question if I wanted to avoid child protective services. I did have a taser provided by one of the bosses, but using that is like kicking a wasp's nest. I was known, I was spotted, and I was too small to fight back, so I used the one card I had. I ran.
I could hear shouts from behind, and I knew that the officers had picked up the chase. One of them was shouting to me. I couldn't understand them, but I could hear my name every now and then. Kept running, and I realized my stature is a blessing in disguise. I can weave through the crowded streets without angering anyone. I risk a glance behind me and take the satisfaction of seeing two blue blurs half a block away, dealing with a couple of unruly pedestrians. I'm almost sure I'm getting away, and I don't notice the Crown Victoria part to my left. The blue torrent and the horrifying wheel are almost enough to knock me off my feet. I stumble, and in a blind panic run harder than ever before. My lungs are dying, and my aching body begging for a break. There, an alleyway to the left. I cut away from the street and the crown, and basically pull myself around into the alleyway. a dead end. In an almost stereotypical comedy stunt, I'm faced with a graffitied brick wall and a broken path covered in ever-growing pools of dirty water. My eyes lead me to a second-story fire escape and a few soaked boxes tucked away. The first box is little more than wet paper, and seems to be held up by willpower alone. The second box is little better, and I find myself standing on a toaster oven in a broken Xbox. I can hear the panicked shouts behind me, and I can tell the cops are seconds behind. Inconveniently, I hear Mary Jane's voice in my head, pressuring, goading me to take this new package and the benefits it would bring me. The smug delight in her eyes when I finally gave in. I screw my eyes shut. Mary Jane will burn in hell. The first cop rounded the corner just as I gripped the bottom rung, my joints screaming from the impact. The ever-increasing rain drenched my face and poured into my eyes. I summon my remaining strength and struggle up the ladder until my feet finally touch the last rung. I want to stop and lie down when I feel, rather than hear the high-pitched ping, followed by a wet thud as my legs screamed in agony. Shot. I had been shot by the same people who were supposed to have sworn to protect the public. My rage is so powerful, so overwhelming, that before I can stop myself, I whip out the taser and fire a barb. The pig falls back and rags in agony, the shock effect made worse by a soaking wet uniform. My own pain is growing, and the grade I'm standing on is slick with blood and rain. I hobble up the stairs using my hands more than my feet. I stumble out onto the roof and collapse, my leg in a puddle of blood. At least it wasn't hurting too much. The sky is clearing, and the rain has stopped. All I can hear is my heartbeat, jumpy and irregular. The last thing I remember before passing out was eternal damnation for the pigs in the city.
That one hit hard, didn't it? It's not always easy seeing a kid suffer like that. That's all I have for you today. Hopefully you'll take that in for a moment and ponder its deeper meanings, yes? The world is a cruel place, and there are always people looking to use you in one way or another. There isn't much else to say here. Do come by again. I'd appreciate that.